You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Sarah Everard was born to parents Jeremy and Sue in June 1987. Jeremy was a professor at the University of York and Sue worked in the charity sector. The youngest of three siblings, she had a sister named Katie and a brother, James. She went to Fulford School and then in 2005 attended Durham University, studying human geography at St Cuthbert's College, gaining a 2-1. Following her graduation in 2008, she moved to London and began working in marketing eventually becoming an accounts manager. She lived in Brixton, just a few streets away from her boyfriend Josh. In 2021, she began a new job at the Flipside Group in Holborn, telling friends that she was so excited to start this next chapter. Wednesday, the 3rd of March, 2021. That day, Sarah had had a catch-up with a friend Rose, who had been on the same university course as her. Rose would tell the BBC, We talked about how boring our days have been. I think she was dealing with lockdown like we all were. She said that Sarah had also been a source of support to her when her mother passed away, saying, She's really caring, thoughtful, and never has a bad word to say about anyone, ever. Later that day... Sarah left her home to go and see her friend, who lived on Leithwaite Road, on the outskirts of Clapham Common. Before going, she headed to her local Sainsbury's to pick up a bottle of wine. After their evening came to an end, Sarah had left at around 9pm, and after she had said goodbye to her friend by Clapham Common, at 9.15 she was captured on CCTV, at the Bowood Road Junction. She called her boyfriend and the pair spoke for around 15 minutes before ending the call and arranging a meet-up. And one minute later, at 9.28, she was seen on CCTV again on Cavendish Road. Her walk home was around two and a half miles, which would have taken around 50 minutes to complete. Although Clapham Common was dark, she would take a well-lit route. The next day soon rolled around, but Sarah was nowhere to be seen. She failed to attend a meeting at work, and her boyfriend had attempted to contact her throughout the day, but had got no response. Just after 8pm, he reported her missing to the police. An investigation and search was now underway. She had been wearing navy trousers with a diamond pattern on them, a green raincoat, orange and turquoise trainers and a beanie. She also had her phone and headphones with her, but her phone was now switched off and she hadn't been receiving any messages. Detective Chief Inspector Catherine Goodwin said, I would like to stress that there is no information at this stage to suggest anything untoward may have happened to Sarah. The focus remains on returning her home to her family safe and well and that is our number one priority. I would like to thank Sarah's family and friends, the local community and members of the public. 
for their help to raise awareness of this appeal and for coming forward with information. I would urge anybody who has information or noticed any suspicious activity in the area to contact us if you haven't already. Police trawled through the CCTV to try and plot which route she had taken. A camera from an estate agent's on the corner of the street she lived on showed that she hadn't walked past, meaning she hadn't made it home. There was nothing to indicate anything wrong in her personal life that would make her want to disappear. Her family soon arrived in London from York to help with the search, putting up posters and handing out flyers to spread the message about her disappearance and generate as many potential leads as possible. The reaction to her going missing was enormous and immediate. Her name was trending on Twitter and calls were put out for anyone with CCTV or dashcam footage to check to see if there were any traces of her. The senior detective on the case, Simon Harding, said that her decision to not use public transport or get a taxi home may have been influenced by the restrictions that were in place in London at that time due to COVID-19. And, as Sarah was an active woman, the opportunity for a walk and some fresh air could have been more appealing. It was also something that she had done many times before. She had been seen walking that route on the night of the 3rd, and she was roughly one mile away from her house at that point, but there was no evidence to suggest that she had made it any further. On the 6th of March, the police released the CCTV footage in the hope it would jog someone's memory or generate a new lead. Uh, for dinner on Leafwaite Road. Um, we know she left about nine o'clock. Um, we are looking at a route back, a potential route back uh, at, to get home in Brixton. We suspect that she would have gone on the South Circular. Uh, it's a natural route back to Brixton, but we're keeping an open mind. That is the last sighting of Sarah. We're obviously also looking into CCTV and exploring that side of things as well. This is of particular concern uh, because it is so out of character and because there has been no contact with Sarah now for three days. We really want to be able to find Sarah and reunite her with her family. I'm urging uh, members of the public to think about back to Wednesday around Clapham, around those roads that I've just said and the surrounding areas. I want them to think if they've seen anything suspicious, look at that image of Sarah, think back, to, have you seen her? I would also ask people to review their uh, dash cam footage and ring doorbells just to be sure and to contact us straight away if they see anything. Sarah's family are extremely concerned, as, as are her friends. CCTV from a bus showed Sarah standing with a man by the side of the road. A Vauxhall Astra was nearby, which also had the hazard light switched on. The pair appeared to be talking. This was one of the last known sightings of Sarah Everard. At 9.38pm, another dash cam caught the same car parked there, this time with both the front doors open. They needed to identify this man, and quickly. On the 8th of March, her boyfriend Josh posted to social media saying... Sarah is still missing. Please share this post to help us find her. Today, more than ever, 
we miss our strong, beautiful friend. By the 9th of March, the search efforts had ramped up even more, and drains along the A205 were searched, as too were the ponds in Clapham Common. And that night, a major announcement was made. A man in Deal, Kent, had been arrested at his home. Police used the dashcam footage and number plate recognition to trace the Vauxhall Astra, which led them to a car hire firm in Dover. When they arrived, staff at the firm gave them the details of the person who had rented it, along with the two mobile numbers that had been given. When they ran the phone numbers through the police database, they came to a horrifying realisation. One of the numbers was registered to a married father of two, who was a serving Metropolitan Police Officer and Firearms Officer with the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Command, 48-year-old Wayne Cousins. He was arrested on suspicion of kidnap and a separate incident of indecent exposure. A woman in her 30s was also arrested on suspicion of assisting an offender and would later be released on bail and would face no further action. The police inquiries found that Wayne Cousins had left London in the hours after Sarah had gone missing and was in Tilmanston, Kent, in the early morning hours. By 8.30am that day, he returned the hire car. As there was a small chance that Sarah was alive and being held somewhere against her will, the police were authorised to do an emergency interview without the presence of a solicitor. Do you know Sarah? I don't know. Okay. Sarah went missing. Um, I'll show you some pictures of, of, of her on the day. Okay. Sarah went missing um, on Wednesday. Do you know anything about what happened to her? I know that um, she went missing up in um, London somewhere. Um, what, what, about a week ago or so? Uh, just from what I've got on the news. Okay. Have you ever personally met her? No, not personally, no. Have you had any interactions with her at all? No, why have I personal interactions with her? Sat in handcuffs and... I know her. So you must have something to say that I, I know her. Now, we believe it. Do you know something about her? where she is and that's why we're here to look for her and to try and find her and that's why we're talking to you now and just trying to get you to have a good think about it and just, you know, just anything you can about whether or not it's fine. Okay, um, well, I am in financial um, and I've been um, lent on by, um, I don't know who they are. Uh, the group, the gang, whatever, um, and they told me why I need to go and pick up girls and get them to them. So um, I said, what's happening? Um, and it then came through that they're going to harm my family, take them away, and they'll use them instead. Um, but at that point, I had no option to try and find somebody. Tell me about them. I need to find them. Tell me everything you know. Okay. There was a white sprinter van um, 
they um, are between sort of lemon made stone area that I've got to off. Um, I still don't know. I, I, I don't know. They, they just, I, I just um, parked my car up and then the van come up behind me, flashed me and they all jumped out. Um, and then the, 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 the guys got out, um, opened my door, opened that door, um, pushed me out against the front of the car, took the girl, drove off, that's it. They said we'll be in touch. So I'm here, I'm off work with stress because I'm here to protect my family. I want to be here 24-7 for my family. They come from my family. I've got nothing myself. I've got no choice. As an officer in diplomatic and parliamentary protection, his particular unit was based mainly at the Palace of Westminster and guarding embassies. Assistant Commissioner Nick F. Grave said, The arrest this evening is a serious and significant development. We will continue to work with all speed on this investigation, but the fact that the arrested man is a serving Metropolitan Police officer is both shocking and deeply disturbing. I understand there will be significant public concern, but it is essential that the investigative team are given the time and space to continue their work. The news that a serving police officer had been arrested in connection with her case left people stunned and horrified. Sarah's uncle called it unbelievable and said it's difficult to get your head round. It's totally baffling. On Wednesday the 10th of March, police began conducting searches of a wooded area by Ashford and a house in Deal, where the family cars were seized. Dog units were deployed and derelict buildings were searched with the assistance of a police helicopter. In spite of there being no body, Wayne Cousins was re-arrested, this time on suspicion of murder. The police inquiries unearthed that in 2019, he had purchased a small part of woodland off of Frid Lane, and phone data also piqued the police's interest in looking there. Just before 5pm that day, nine days after her disappearance, the search for Sarah Everard came to a tragic and abrupt end. Human remains were found, using dental records. The remains were identified as being that of Sarah Everard. Her family gave a statement. Our beautiful daughter Sarah was taken from us, and we are appealing for any information that will help solve this terrible crime. Sarah was bright and beautiful, a wonderful daughter and sister. She was kind and thoughtful, caring and dependable. She always put others first and had the most amazing sense of humour. She was strong and principled and a shining example to us all. We are very proud of her and she brought so much joy to our lives. We would like to thank our friends and family for all their support during this awful time and we would especially like to thank Sarah's friends who are working tirelessly to help. The outpouring of shock and grief was huge. 
Many flowers were laid in tribute to her as the public expressed their disgust that something like this had happened. People from all walks of life were touched by Sarah's case. And some breaking news to bring you this hour. In the last few moments, it's been confirmed that the Duchess of Cambridge has been at the bandstand on Clapham Common taking a look at the flowers and the tributes that have been laid in memory of the missing and abducted Sarah Everard. You can see her there in the green coat, just taking a moment like so many women have to pause and reflect and remember. Prime Minister Boris Johnson said... Like the whole country, my thoughts are with her family and friends. We must work fast to find all the answers to this horrifying crime. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, said, I can only imagine the pain and terrible agonies that Sarah Everard's family and friends are going through right now. My thoughts and prayers are with them. All women and girls should be able to feel safe on the streets of London at all times. The police needed to understand exactly what had happened and why. Wayne Cousins had completed a shift from the 2nd of March at 7pm to 7am the following day. He then headed to pick up the white Vauxhall Astra from the car hire company in Dover at 4.45pm. At 8pm on the day Sarah was abducted, he was seen on CCTV in a Tesco's in Kensington, West London, buying a packet of hairbands. Police believe that when he stopped her, they had not met before. Investigators were also trying to determine whether or not he had used his warrant card to stop her and used the lockdown rules as an excuse. They were granted more time to question and interview him. But who exactly was Wayne Cousins? After working at a family business in Dover for just over a decade, Cousins was working as a traffic officer and then joined the Civil Nuclear Constabulary, a police force with the responsibility of guarding nuclear sites but not dealing with police incidents. He became an authorised firearms officer and he also spent time as a TA reservist with the Princess of Wales's Royal Regiment. He then joined the Metropolitan Police Force in 2018, working with the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Command. Following his arrest, he was held at Belmarsh Prison and was being checked on every 15 minutes, as per typical custody rules for any potentially vulnerable prisoners. On his second night in custody, news broke that he had been found unconscious with head injuries. He was said to be alone in his cell when the injury occurred and that it had been self-inflicted. The Metropolitan Police said in a statement, the suspect was taken to a hospital for treatment to a head injury sustained while in custody. He has since been discharged and returned to custody. We are not prepared to discuss further. The police also announced that the Independent Office for Police Conduct, also known as the IOPC, was launching an investigation into whether there had been an appropriate response to a report that had been made that he had allegedly committed an act of indecent exposure. Three days before Sarah Everard's abduction, he had been accused of exposing himself in front of a woman in a McDonald's. It was caught on CCTV and reported to the Metropolitan Police by a member of staff that night. In total, there were five separate investigations being undertaken by the watchdog into Sarah's case. 
A vigil for Sarah was planned, but police said that it could be in breach of COVID-19 restrictions. Assistant Commissioner Nick Fgrave said, I know that the public feel hurt and angry about what has happened, and those are sentiments that I share personally. I also recognise the wider concerns that are being raised quite rightly about the safety of women in public spaces in London, and also elsewhere in the country. This organisation and the men and women in it remain committed to protecting Londoners, wherever they are in this city. That commitment is undiminished by these events. And if anything, that commitment is strengthened by these tragic circumstances. The vigil in question was due to be held on Saturday the 13th of March. Reclaim the Streets, who organised it, said that the police had refused to help them organise it safely and in accordance with COVID-19 protocols. The police said that the organisers would be liable for fines of £10,000 each if the vigil went ahead, which led to it being cancelled. However, people did go to Clapham Common to pay their respects and bring the issue of violence against women to the forefront. The atmosphere was described as calm, but the police soon attempted to disperse the crowd and were described as swarming the bandstand, which was the centre of the vigil. Police and those in attendance soon clashed, resulting in six arrests for public order offences and breaching of the health protection regulations. The Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police Force, Cressida Dick, gave a statement. Worth saying, um, of course, I fully understand the strength of feeling, I think, uh, as a woman, and hearing from people about their experiences in the past and what they feel about uh, what happened to Sarah and what has been going on. I understand why so many people wanted to come and pay their respects and uh, kind of make a statement about this. Indeed, if it had been lawful, I'd have been there. I'd have been at a vigil. Six hours of yesterday was really calm and peaceful. Very few police officers around, respectful, people laying flowers, uh, not gathering, uh, and you know, a, a, a vigil that did not breach the regulations. Uh, unfortunately, later on, uh, we had a really big crowd that gathered, lots of speeches, uh, and uh, quite rightly, as far as I can see, my team felt this is now an unlawful gathering, uh, which poses a considerable risk to people's health, uh, according to the regulations. Uh, a really invidious position for my officers to find themselves in, um, but they then moved to try to explain to people, to engage with people, to get people to disperse from this unlawful gathering, and many, many, many people did. Unfortunately, a small minority did not. The Home Secretary called for an independent investigation to be carried out into how the police force went about shutting down the vigil. Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, agreed, saying in a statement, I received assurances from the Metropolitan Police last week that the vigil would be policed sensitively. In my view, this was not the case. I asked the Commissioner and the Deputy Commissioner to come into City Hall today to give me an explanation of yesterday's events and the days leading up to them, 
I am not satisfied with the explanation they have provided. I will now be asking Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary, HMIC, to conduct a full, independent investigation of events yesterday evening and in previous days. I am also asking the Independent Office for Police Conduct, the IOPC, to investigate the actions of police officers yesterday evening. A subsequent report cleared police of any wrongdoing at the vigil and said that they had acted appropriately. But the backlash was intense and more pressure was being added to the Commissioner Cressida Dick to resign. Police stepped up patrols around Clapham and other areas to try and assure women of their safety. But in spite of this, there was an intense backlash. Women from across the country took to social media to share their stories and experiences of feeling unsafe or being attacked or harassed in public. Police told women in Clapham soon after Cousins was taken into custody not to go out alone. But this was met with fierce criticism, with people saying that this moved the responsibility and didn't deal with the wider problems. Many stories were shared about being followed home and the extra steps that were often taken to try and feel safer, such as packing flat shoes in order to run if necessary, or holding a set of keys between the fingers. Isabel Hardman, a columnist for the Evening Standard and assistant editor of The Spectator, tweeted, Incredible how normal it is for women to be told not to go out alone after dark, yet how strange and inexplicable this would seem if the same instruction, or even a curfew, were issued to men. Scotland Yard also said that anyone stopped by a lone police officer not in uniform should try shouting out to a passerby, running into a house, knocking on a door, waving a bus down, or, if you are in the position to do so, calling 999 to escape someone they believe is impersonating a police officer. They also said that if this happened, they should challenge the apparent officer's legitimacy. This was also met with backlash, with people saying this was just not good enough, and many would not feel safe in challenging someone in that way. Patsy Stevenson, who was arrested at the vigil for Sarah, called the advice almost laughable if it wasn't so disgusting. I feel like they are just clutching at straws because the advice isn't relevant. It's like a distraction because, number one, in that situation, you can't just stop and hail down a bus or a taxi or something. Can you imagine the distrust that people have right now, where they have to protect themselves from the police in that manner? That is shocking. Politicians also expressed their views on the advice that had been given. The Labour MP, Bel Ribeiro Adi, tweeted, We want to know what the Met are doing to address the deeply rooted problems with violence against women in the force. This completely derisory advice shows they are still not taking it seriously and they wonder why trust is at an all-time low. Former leader of the Scottish Conservatives, Ruth Davidson, tweeted, This is so grim. If someone believes they are in real and imminent danger from a police officer, they have to flag down a bus or start chapping doors. Horrendous. The pressure continued to build on Cressida Dick to step down as commissioner. The Member of Parliament, Jess Phillips, added to the criticism of both the commissioner and the Home Secretary. I understand their sorrow and their upset and even regret on the part of Cressida Dick, but uh, actually their sorrow isn't going to stop the fact that, you know, by the end of the day, another woman will likely have been murdered at the hands of a man. 
getting rid of Cressida Dick is not going to improve um, the police force in Greater Manchester. It's not going to help in the West Midlands. It's not going to help uh, the fundamental and systematic problem that we have in this country that we just simply don't care as much about the safety and security of women in our country as we care about other things. I want to hear within a week from Cressida Dick more than we'll work together, we'll learn lessons. Honestly, a five-year-old could come up with it. There was even more backlash when the North Yorkshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Philip Allett, said in a radio interview, So women, first of all, need to be streetwise about when they can be arrested and when they can't be arrested. She should never have been arrested and submitted to that, which was condemned by many as victim-blaming. Following a vote of no confidence, he resigned. While in custody, Wayne Cousins would be taken to hospital with a head injury for a second time, and a few hours later, he was subsequently charged with kidnap and murder. The investigations continued and police were in various locations hunting for clues and specialist divers were brought in to help search a small stretch of water. Senior coroner Patricia Harding told the inquest into Sarah's death that the pathologist has not given a medical cause of death. However, she was able to confirm that no natural disease was found that could have caused her death and that Tess would continue to work out exactly how she had died. It would later be determined that she had been raped, and that her cause of death was compression to the neck, having been strangled by a police belt. On the 22nd of May, Sarah Everard's funeral was held at Heslington Church in York, with friends and family gathering to honour and remember her. During his first court appearance, Sarah Everard's family watched remotely as Wayne Cousins appeared to have a wound on his head and rocked back and forth. He spoke only to confirm his name, address and birthday. He was remanded in custody. The true horror of what had happened and the extent of his planning would soon be laid bare. On the 10th of February... He had logged on to Amazon and spent £2.49 on a police standard-issue handcuff key with double-locking pin, something the prosecution said was used to make Sarah think that he was on duty. The prosecution said that the hairbands he had purchased that day were for the purposes of the planned kidnap and rape, either to be used in a sex act or as restraints. The prosecution said that he proceeded to drive around, hunting for a lone young female to kidnap and rape. He then saw Sarah Everard. Using his warrant card and handcuffs, he falsely arrested her and put her into the back seat of his vehicle and put her seatbelt on. He proceeded to drive to Dover and CCTV caught him on North Military Road at 11.43pm where he put Sarah into his own car. Prosecutor Tom Little QC said, The fact she had been to a friend's house for dinner at the height of the early 2021 lockdown made her more vulnerable to and more likely to submit to an accusation that she had acted in breach of the Covid regulations in some way. At that time, 
orders to stay at home were in place, and inside contact with someone not in a support bubble was not allowed. A female passenger of a car that had driven past them at the side of the road in London saw Sarah being handcuffed. Prosecutor Tom Little said, Sarah Everard was compliant, with her head down, and did not appear to be arguing. The court listened as it emerged that Cousins would often wear his police belt, even when not on duty. They also heard how he set up a profile on a dating site, a profile that contained various lies about himself, and how he had used an escort service. Phone analysis showed that his phone was in the Sibbetswold area from 11.53pm to 3 minutes to 1 in the morning, after Sarah had been kidnapped which was a place that he was familiar with. During this time, it is believed he raped Sarah before driving back to Dover after 1am. At 2.34am, he went to BP Dover South Services and bought some soft drinks in a carrier bag. It is thought that Sarah had already been murdered at this point. At 7.30am, his car was back on North Military Road, and the hired Vauxhall was seen driving away. 45 minutes later, he was seen on CCTV in a Costa coffee shop, buying a drink and a snack. He appeared to be fidgety at the till. At 8.30, he returned the hire car, having driven more than 300 miles in it. At 11.05am he was seen in Dover buying a petrol can and filling it at a BP station. It is believed that this was used in an attempt to burn Sarah's body. He also filled his tank and then drove to a McDonald's for food. He attempted to burn her body in a refrigerator on a piece of woodland that he owned, before dumping her remains into a pond. At 12.40, a fire was seen in Hodes Wood, where his car was also seen, and the fire was consistent with where he had tried to burn Sarah's body. During this day, he also took Sarah's phone and threw it into a river in Sandwich, but a piece of a phone SIM card and a bloodstain in the rear passenger seat matched Sarah's DNA, thus linking him to the offence even more. Seaman was also found in the back seat, which was a match for Cousins. The following day he called a vet in the early afternoon to book an appointment for his dog. Hey, yeah, I was wondering if I could book my um, dog in for the... Uh, for the vet so I can have a discussion about her issues, please. Yep, no, that's fine. Um, she, well, we think she's suffering from, like, separation anxiety. Like a, quite a, a bad degree of separation anxiety and potential medications, like, try and calm her down. So that's what we want to talk to the vet about, really, and a, a way forward with it. He also called into work and said he wouldn't be able to come in as he was suffering from stress but was then seen at 2pm in Dover at a B&Q store buying two large green bags before returning to Hodes Wood, where it is believed he had moved her body using the bags. 
The following day, he emailed his supervisor, saying he didn't want to carry a firearm anymore. Later that day, he ordered a 2x2-metre tarpaulin and a cargo net from Amazon. On the 7th of March, he took his family on a day out to none other than Hodes Wood, allowing his young children to play near to where her body was. He was due to be back at work on the 8th of March, but failed to go in, saying he was unwell. By the 9th of March, the police had enough to make an arrest, and at 7.50pm, Wayne Cousins was in custody. In July 2021, more disturbing information came to light when Kent police confirmed that in June 2015, a complaint had been made that a man had been driving whilst being naked from the waist down. This was alleged to be Wayne Cousins, but no arrests had been made. Following this information, the IOPC launched an inquiry into whether the complaint had been handled properly by Kent Police. This was alongside the other allegation of indecent exposure in the McDonald's, just a few days before Sarah's abduction. In spite of that allegation, he had continued working as a police officer. Wayne Cousins pleaded guilty to the kidnapping by force or fraud and rape of Sarah Everard, but was asked not to enter a plea in relation to her murder, although his defence said he had accepted responsibility for her killing. He was subsequently sacked from the police force following his confession. The commissioner of the Metropolitan Police Force, Cressida Dick, was in court alongside Sarah's family. The presiding judge, Lord Justice Fulford, said that he was considering a whole-life order, meaning if this sentence was given... Cousins would never be eligible for parole. On July 9th, 2021, Wayne Cousins entered a plea of guilty to the murder of Sarah Everard. Carolyn Oakley, a Crown Prosecution Service Specialist Prosecutor in the Special Crime Division, said, Today, Wayne Cousins pleaded guilty to the murder of Sarah Everard. This plea is as a result of a great deal of hard work by the prosecution team. The police should be commended for their thorough and tireless investigation into Sarah's disappearance. Wayne Cousins lied to the police when he was arrested and to date has refused to comment. We still do not know what drove him to commit this appalling crime against a stranger. Today is not the day for hearing the facts about what happened to Sarah. Today is a day to remember Sarah and our thoughts remain with her family and friends. His sentence hearing went on for two days. The prosecution argued that the severity of the crime was so extreme, a whole life order needed to be considered. During the sentencing hearing, her family gave statements. Her mother Susan said that Sarah had spent her last hours on earth with the very worst of humanity. She lost her life because Wayne Cousins wanted to satisfy his perverted desires. She told the court that she and her family were going through unbearable suffering and that Wayne Cousins repulsed her and that she was outraged that he masqueraded as a policeman. She explained that her daughter had wanted to marry and become a mother, dreams that had now been cruelly ripped away. Her father said he thought about what happened to Sarah all the time, saying, 
the impact of what you have done will never end. A father wants to look after his children and fix everything, and you have deliberately and with premeditation stopped my ability to do that. Her sister Katie was overcome with emotion as she explained how cousins had treated Sarah like she meant nothing and thrown her away like rubbish. They asked cousins to look them in the eye as they spoke, but he did not, apparently due to shame. Jim Sturman QC said that Wayne Cousins felt genuine remorse for his actions. He also argued that a whole life order was not appropriate, as he had admitted the offence, and it was a single killing, as opposed to a serial killer. Sturman said that Cousins deserved a life term with a minimum of 30 years. He said, He appeared to be living a life as a law-abiding man with a loving family, and his colleagues described him as calm and friendly. Nothing I say today is at all intended to minimise the horror of what the defendant did that night and after. He makes no excuses for his actions. He accepts he will receive, and he deserves, a severe punishment. No right-minded person can feel anything other than revulsion for what he did. He does not seek to make excuses for anything that he did, and he is filled with self-loathing and abject shame. During the sentencing, Lord Justice Fulford said that the murder had been planned in all its unspeakably grim detail, and that all that was missing for Cousins was a victim. He said that Cousins spent at least a month travelling to London to research how best to commit these crimes, emphasising the degree of preparation and the length of time over which it extended. Lord Justice Fulford said that the seriousness of the case was exceptionally high, and, consequently, resulted in a whole life order, the harshest sentence possible under the law. Lord Justice Fulford said, Wayne Cousins, you kidnapped, raped and murdered Sarah Everard, having long planned a violent sexual assault on a yet-to-be-selected victim who you intended to coerce into your custody. You have irretrievably damaged the lives of Sarah Everard's family and friends. Mrs Everard devastatingly referred to how the wider world has now lost its appeal for her. And, I would add, no doubt for many others who cared for your victim. And Sarah Everard's sister referred to the inescapable reality of the many lives you have ruined. You have eroded confidence that the public are entitled to have in the police forces of England and Wales. It is critical that every subject in this country can trust police officers when they encounter them and submit to their authority, which they are entitled to believe is being exercised in good faith. You have utterly betrayed your family. Your wife and children, who on all the evidence are entirely blameless, will have to live with the ignominy of your dreadful crimes for the rest of their lives. You have very considerably added to the sense of insecurity that many have living in our cities, perhaps particularly women, when travelling by themselves and especially at night. During the period before your arrest, there was never a moment when you gave the slightest indication of regret, following perhaps the realisation of the enormity of the dreadful crimes you had committed. Those consequences are that on the count of murder, you will be imprisoned for life and the tariff is a whole life order. 
I have taken into account the offences of kidnapping and rape in reaching that decision, and on those counts, I impose no separate penalty. Take him down. And with that, Wayne Cousins was taken away to begin the rest of his life in detention. The decision was a landmark one. It was the first time that a whole life order for the murder of one person, where terrorism had not played a part, was given. Following his sentence, Cressida Dick apologised. I absolutely know that there are those who feel their trust in us is shaken. I recognise that for some people a precious bond of trust has been damaged. Our dedication to you, our public, remains undiminished. As Commissioner, I will do everything in my power to ensure we learn any lessons. I know that what happened to Sarah and indeed what has happened to other women in London and beyond in recent times has raised important questions about women's safety. Here in the Met, I commit to keep working with others to improve women's safety and reduce the fear of violence. There are no words that can fully express the fury and overwhelming sadness that we all feel about what happened to Sarah. I am so sorry. After his conviction, he was transferred from Belmarsh to HMP Frankland. In the wake of his sentencing, the police appealed for any information regarding other potential crimes committed by Wayne Cousins, saying, We continue to build up a picture of Cousins' career and wider activities. We would like to appeal to anyone who has information of concern about Cousins whether police colleagues or members of the public, to contact us directly. The ongoing spotlight put on the Metropolitan Police Force and the culture within its ranks was intense. Twelve separate officers were being investigated in relation to the case by the IOPC. Cousins had allegedly garnered the nickname The Rapist by his colleagues at the Civil Nuclear Constabulary due to him making female co-workers feel uneasy and uncomfortable. Senior investigating officer Simon Harding told Sky News that the nickname was not used by many people and that a lot of people didn't notice he was this person. Assistant Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police Force Nick Fgrave refuted the claims that he was referred to as the rapist, saying, that is not something that was made aware to us. However... Sir Tom Windsor, the Chief Inspector of Constabulary, would later confirm that this nickname was true on BBC Radio 4's World at One when he was asked if he was aware of the nickname. He said, Yes, I do know that. And he also allegedly had a reputation in terms of drug abuse, extreme pornography and other offences of this kind. He would also later say that he was concerned about an alleged culture of colleague protection within the ranks of the police force, saying, 
I have previously raised concerns about the failures, in some places, of police anti-corruption units having adequate capacity and curiosity in relation to behaviour and attitudes of police officers. In too many respects, they are failing to take appropriate action and throw these people out. A retired Metropolitan Police Sergeant with 30 years' experience in the force, Graham Wetton, said, I have never heard a nickname like that before. Why would you call somebody that? And in a police environment? It raises alarm bells. The National Chair of the Police Federation of England and Wales, John Apter, called Wayne Cousins an absolute disgrace to the police service and said that he was ashamed he was ever a police officer. He said... I am proud to carry a warrant card, but this vile individual's abuse of that authority has cast a shadow on all those who work within policing. He has brought disgrace to our uniform. The way he took advantage of Sarah's trust makes me feel sick to the stomach. How Cousins had been able to join the Metropolitan Police Force was also called into question. The Met said in a statement that although he had passed the vetting process... They said a range of checks may not have been undertaken correctly. They also said they might not have checked a car that was registered to him and linked to the 2015 allegation of indecent exposure. Confirming that the Met Police were unaware of the 2015 allegation, whether this was down to his former employer at the CNC or their checks, they said in a statement to Sky News, Wayne Cousins was vetted in accordance with his role. Following his arrest, a review confirmed he passed vetting processes. The checks confirmed there was no information available to the Met at that time that would have changed the vetting decision. Cousins was not subject to any misconduct proceedings during his time at the Met. A non-statutory inquiry was also launched, examining how he was able to, in spite of concerns regarding his conduct and behaviour, work in three different police forces. When Cousins joined the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Unit in February of 2020, he had not been given enhanced vetting, and reports said that this was due to a rush to try and recruit as many officers as possible, following the terrorist attacks in Paris in 2017. It was also reported that Cousins had not finished the two-year probationary period, which was mandatory, before he began working with the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Command. In September 2021, the IOPC issued a statement saying, We have served a total of 12 gross misconduct or misconduct notices on police officers from several forces as we continue to investigate the matters linked to the conduct of PC Cousins. Several notices related to allegations that officers had not behaved in accordance with professional behaviour standards by using a messaging app to share information about Cousins' prosecution. Another probe was made into allegations that three Metropolitan Police officers, who were still in their probationary period with the force, had shared an inappropriate graphic depicting violence against women with colleagues via WhatsApp. Although they were not on duty at the time, one of them would later man a cordon at one of the search sites. A separate inquiry was also being made into the allegation of him exposing himself in McDonald's a few days before Sarah was abducted, and the two investigating officers were being examined for possible breaches of professional standards. And another investigation was being made into the allegation of indecent exposure back in 2015. 
The Home Secretary, Preeti Patel, announced that she would review whether or not police officers fully use the existing powers to deal with men who either commit indecent exposure or sexually harass women. She urged female victims of male harassment and violence to share their experiences and help form a new strategy to protect women. In the initial 10-week survey, more than 15,000 responses were lodged and the Home Office said they expected the number to rise, potentially more than doubling in the preceding weeks. In a statement, the Home Secretary said, While an awful incident like this is incredibly rare, it is worrying because it reminds women everywhere of the steps we all take on a daily basis, without a second thought, to keep ourselves safe. So many of you have bravely shared your own experiences of harassment, abuse and violence online over recent days. So today I am reopening our nationwide call for views on tackling violence against women and girls. The government is listening. Everyone should be free to walk our streets without the slightest fear. With Sarah and her family in my thoughts and prayers, I will continue to do all I can in my role as Home Secretary to protect women and girls. She also spoke in defence of the police, saying, The professionalism and conduct I have witnessed through my own engagement with the police since Sarah's disappearance has reminded me that the vast majority of police officers serve with the utmost integrity and represent the best of public service. In October 2021, it was reported that police were looking into an allegation that Wayne Cousins had sexually assaulted and harassed a drag queen at a bar. The drag queen had reported the incident to the police following Sarah's highly publicised case. Also in October, another shocking story hit the headlines. Radio DJ Emma B said that in 2008 she had been walking in Greenwich, London with her baby son in a pram after dropping her daughter at school. She said a man had shouted, Hey! at her. When she turned around, he exposed himself. Wayne Cousins, you believe, was the person you saw. When did you first put those two things together? Because, of course... You know, very unfortunately, here's a, ne- here's a name that we now know and it's a face that we've become familiar looking at in light of what happened to Sarah. Um, it was immediate. Um, that's what I've reported back to the Met um, and to the IOPC. It was immediate. Um, and um, and I said to my husband immediately, I think that's him. Um, and I let it settle for a couple of days and I called a few girlfriends and, you know, said, do you remember the time when when that happened in Greenwich, they were, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, I think it's him. So it was immediate. And I kind of just, you know, you, you have to be obviously cautious and careful about saying things like this out loud. But um, I, it was it was very specific in the way that I was descri- that I described him initially to the police when they first came around. It's a face that doesn't go anywhere. You know, it stays with you. Um, and it was only, um, and then, and then after a, a week or two of me just googling and seeing some more pictures and reassuring myself, I think um, there was there were more reports of previous behaviour that seemed uh, to add to, to me needing to say something and report that back. And, and I know that this is now with the police again. Yes. We, we've got a yes. statement. Uh, the Met Police spokesman has said 
Uh, with regards to the incident in 2008, police were called in November 2008 after a woman reported she was pushing a pram in Blackwall Lane, SE10, when a man called out to her. She turned and found he'd exposed himself and was touching himself inappropriately. She went into a nearby shop. Police were alerted. A search of the area was conducted, but the man had left. CCTV inquiries were unsuccessful. The incident was passed to the local Safer Neighbourhoods team for intelligence and in terms of it being uh, cousins, Wayne Cousins, to the best of our knowledge, we are not aware of any reports prior to his March arrest when he was named as a suspect. Of course, if we receive any allegation, we will assess and investigate accordingly. But but in terms of your strength of recognition of him, as you say, that was, that was pretty instant. H- how did that make you feel that that could have been the same person? This, so, the part of the part of the um, interview that that took place when the police came over to my house um, uh, was when they they thought it was really quite amusing when I was detailing um, I, I, because of their questioning, detailing you know quite graphically what they needed to know. Uh, but I, I I remember, and I've said this again, time and time again. I remember clearly saying to them, "I really hope that this is all he needs to do." And I said that at the time because I was so like, oh, struck by how how feeble their response was. I said then, I really hope that this is all he needs to do. And there's there's a there's a big part of me that really hopes it wasn't him, because because if it was, this is horrific. Also in October of 2021, the Times reported that prior to his arrest. Wayne Cousins had shared grossly offensive, racist and misogynistic material in a group chat with other officers. This came as yet another blow to the Metropolitan Police Force, who had been trying to rebuild and restore their reputation. Commissioner Cressida Dick said that an investigation would be launched into all current allegations of domestic abuse or sexual misconduct against London police officers, and a review of any allegations made over the last 10 years would take place too. On the 10th of February 2022, Cressida Dick announced that she would resign as Commissioner as she had lost the support of the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. This was a matter of hours after she said she had no intention of leaving her role. Last week I made clear to the Metropolitan Police Commissioner the scale of the change I believe is urgently required to rebuild the trust and confidence of Londoners in the Met and to root out the racism, sexism, homophobia, bullying, discrimination and misogyny that still exists. I am not satisfied with the Commissioner's response. On being informed of this, Dame Cressler Dick has offered her resignation, which I have accepted. It is quite clear that the mayor no longer has sufficient confidence in my leadership of the Metropolitan Police Service for me to continue as commissioner. He has left me no choice but to step aside. I say this with deep sadness and regret. The murder of Sarah Everard and many other awful cases recently have, I know, damaged confidence in this fantastic police service. There is much to do, and I know that the Met has turned its full attention to rebuilding trust and confidence and to raising our standards. 
I am very optimistic for the future of the Met and for London. To mark the anniversary of her disappearance, a walk was organised by Urban Angels in memory of those lost to gender-based violence. Beginning at Clapham North Station and ending at the bandstand of Clapham Common, it marked where the first vigil had been held. The purpose of the event is to give the community an opportunity, give the community an opportunity to come together to com- commemorate all victims of gendered violence um, and also pay respects to and remember those women that have lost their lives. In March 2022, it was reported that Wayne Cousins had been charged with four counts of indecent exposure from between January and February of 2021. During his first court appearance to answer for these charges, he requested to have a Crown Court jury trial. In May, he appeared at the Old Bailey Courthouse in London via a video link and entered pleas of not guilty in relation to the charges of indecent exposure. Also that month, it was announced that High Court judges had ruled that the Met had breached the human rights to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly of those who had been arrested at the first vigil. And in August 2022, those who had been arrested were told they would not face prosecution, as the Crown Prosecution Service said it was not in the public interest. Wayne Cousins lodged an appeal against his conviction, but in July 2022, the Court of Appeal upheld the whole life order. We are today handing down our written judgment in cases concerning the sentences of four offenders convicted of murder and one of manslaughter. The second concerns Wayne Cousins, who pleaded guilty to kidnap and rape of Sarah Everard, and later he pleaded guilty to her murder. On the 30th of September 2021, he was sentenced to imprisonment for life for the murder with a whole life order. No separate penalty was imposed for the offences of kidnapping and rape. Cousins seeks leave to appeal against sentence. In his case, we grant leave to appeal against sentence but dismiss the appeal. Although the circumstances of his case do not fall within the terms of the statutory provision, which provides that a whole life order should be the normal starting point, the individual facts are such that the judge was entitled exceptionally to impose a whole life order. That concludes this short hearing. Court right. For many, the case of Sarah Everard was a watershed moment. It brought issues surrounding personal safety sexual harassment and violence against women under the spotlight, as well as the culture within the Metropolitan Police Force and beyond. Reclaim the Streets set up a fundraiser to support women's charities and more than half a million pounds was raised. Police officers in the United Kingdom take an oath, promising to serve with fairness, integrity, diligence and impartiality, upholding fundamental human rights and according equal respect to all people. Part of the oath reads, I will, to the best of my skill and knowledge, discharge all the duties thereof faithfully, according to the law. 
Wayne Cousins broke this oath in the most shocking way imaginable and also broke the trust the members of the public place in police officers. Sarah Everard was simply trying to get home. Her life was taken in an appalling and grotesque way by someone she should have been able to trust. Her case brought the police under scrutiny and continued the conversation about gender-based violence and the safety, or lack thereof, that many feel when in public, especially at night or on their own. The damage this case caused to so many people is immeasurable. The public's trust in the police suffered heavily, and for many it will take a long time for it to be restored. For Sarah's family and friends, she was irreplaceable. A funny, kind and caring woman, whose life was taken in the most brutal way. It is only right that she be remembered for the person that she was and the joy that she brought to so many people and not by the appalling way that she left this earth.